You know what that music means, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the Slafter Podcast. That's right. That's a podcast about horror, comedy, and everything in between. <laughs> I'm Prescott. And I'm Josh. How's it going, Josh? Good, good. How are you, Prescott? Good. I'm a little worried we're, uh, we're doing this episode blind. We've got... No music, no sound effects. Yeah, we're just we're just hitting record and we're going. Yeah, I like, mean, well, that's what professionals do, so I shouldn't be too worried. They, they fake it till they make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I certainly saw that. So last weekend, Preska and I went to our first gun show. Oh yeah, the Tanner Gun Show there in Denver. That's uh, Colorado's largest gun show. I think that's their overall because I think there there's one in Fort Collins. And there's one maybe in oh. Loveland. So I think overall it's the largest. But I think that Denver one we went to, it didn't feel like it would be the state's largest. No, I know. Gun I, show. I was thinking, I was hoping for warehouses upon warehouses of guns. I was, yeah, I was thinking like bargain bins, just like you know, yeah, no. old Tupperware <laughs> that people just had guns rattling around in and you yeah. fish through and stuff. Uh, they had that for knives at least. They definitely did. Yeah, lots of loose knives. But it was good. And there's a lot of, there's more individual sellers. Than I thought, speaking of fake it till you make it. There's a lot of people who just showed up with their own yeah. private collection and a table and yeah. just saw what they could and what they could make. Sat and read a book while people handled <laughs> all their weapons. <laughs> and ignored people like us. Yeah. <laughs> walked in and clearly as looky lose as we were like afraid to, to yeah. handle the merchandise. Yeah. At least you did walk away with a very nice knife. Yeah. Found a found a fish fishing knife in a big bin. Yeah. We got real close to a those butterfly knives and those spring-loaded knives, though. That's true. It's only another, or just about two months now until those are legal in Colorado. But yeah. they were trying to, <laughs> they were trying to sell them real hard with the caveat of, you know, just leave it in your home for two months. Yeah, and don't bring it out because it's still illegal, still illegal, but, but soon, someday. Yeah, <laughs> man. And you want you don't want to be ready. You want to you know be accidentally oh. dropping your butterfly knife come. August second, when everyone else is exactly looking like a real, yeah, real expert. Once everyone's armed, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what's new with us. Is there anything new in the world that you want to share with us, Prescott? Yeah, let's go to news. This week's news. Well, I've got two pieces of news for you this week, Josh. Lay it on us. Um, first, and I think I've covered it before, but mm-hmm. Ash versus Evil Dead. Season two, starting up in August. Oh, I'm excited. Very exciting. And slightly less exciting. Mm-hmm. Jack Black has agreed to be in Goosebumps 2, Horrorland, and that's coming out September 21st, 2018. All right. Well, at least they have Jack Black coming back for the second. Yeah. But I really want to see him and in, in more stuff. I want to see... Maybe not another Tenacious D movie, but I want to see more of that old Tenacious D stuff that maybe yeah, really I mean, enjoy him. I'm glad that he's doing so well off of Kung Fu Panda, but you don't That's get true, to yeah. really, you're not really getting Jack Black. No, that, that, that being said, I feel like once you break into voice acting, especially for kids movies, you might be in a point where you could coast if you want. Like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't I don't blame anybody if you hit that gold mine of I just need to talk into a microphone and get paid. Yeah. No, man, that's right. I was watching an interview with him and he was talking about how crazy it is that he'll fly to China for the opening. Mm-hmm. And so no one's seeing him. They're hiring a Chinese actor to do the voiceover. <laughs> so they're not even hearing his voice, but he's still like being flown around the world to like Showing stand up. there. Yeah. 
be like, I'm part of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm related. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting money. I'm Jack Black. Well, I like the... Uh, I really like the uh, first season of Ash vs. the Evil Dead. So oh, I'm yeah, excited yeah, yeah. For, for that second season. So Definitely. I've got a little bit of news for us as well. Um, for those in the East Coast, um, you might want to be watching this, guys, uh, tonight, June, 11, June 11th or June 12th, um, because NASA is going to uh, launch a rocket off of their Wallops flight facility, which is in Virginia. Ooh. And this flight is going to release, um, after about five minutes in the air, it's going to release about 10, about like soda can sized canisters, which will release a, a mix, mixture of um, barium, strontium, and this cupric oxide vapor, which is going to f- form artificial clouds. So it's going to form these blue, green, and red artificial clouds along the eastern seaboard, mm, which if you're into geoengineering or chemtrails, is crazy because you're going to be able to see artificial clouds, clouds being created, which... Um, this White House administration has approved more funding for geoengineering, mm. which is trying to mitigate things like climate control with, uh, you know, artificially artificially created weather and and releasing things in the atmosphere to try to offset the effects of climate change. Which I I love chemtrails in general. I love talking about them. <laughs> there's you no heard quicker, it here first. Yeah, there's no quicker way to find yourself alone at a party, but like, <laughs> yeah. like bringing up, well, did you see what the government's been putting into the air recently? Yeah. But here we have the government putting stuff into the air. They said they're going, they're doing this to be able to help them track, um, uh, particles in space. I don't mm. buy it. Yeah. That barium, that's not good no no they're not messing around <laughs> no oh geez so if you're on the eastern seaboard you know keep your eyes on the skies i think that i mean the worst part about this news is i'm gonna have to edit this podcast immediately together. <laughs> <laughs> especially with the colorado time change i think i've got like a three-hour window to get this up to you guys so you can look up and yeah we'll have to spit out quickly but in the future keep your eyes on those suspicious <laughs> yeah. looking clouds regardless <laughs> it's Daily. a fun pastime yeah Speaking of fun pastimes, let's get to this week's beer. Oh, let's go. So let's go drink beer. Beer is good. Beer is good. Beer is good. And some beer is good. Beer is good. Beer is good. Let's go drink some beer. Yeah, so what did you bring for us this week? This week's beer is Ecliptic Brewing, which is based out of Portland. It is their Phobos. It's their single hop red ale. Um, one, it's getting to be spring, summertime. Oh, yeah. Um, granted, I drink red ales year-round, but I feel like I enjoy them even more. Very nice. In the spring and summer. Yeah. And I also chose it um, for the name Phobos, which is the Greek god of, of fear, the personification of fear. Oh, yeah. Which I think is great for this week's movie, because I, it's been a while since I've seen one of our movies that have really scared me partway oh, through. man. And this week's movie does a good job, did a good, great job of not only scaring me, but bringing in that, like, dread and terror which is what i really like out of a horror movie i don't want i don't want just the shock scare i want that scene where you see what's going on and you can just barely like your mind just goes oh no (laughs) like that that level of dread is is rare it takes a lot of of good directing and writing to get it to happen this movie does it really well i am i feel better that it happened to you too because i i had to like 
answer a phone call halfway through this movie and i was not making any sense and I'm <laughs> just like, i'm ranting and raving yeah, yeah. <laughs> like my brain is shut off um this beer is delicious it's very good to all the listeners please go out and buy a red ale this summer you gotta branch out of the ipa thing the ipa thing's done just yeah it's, especially yeah. if you're really really hot you yeah. want a cold beer yeah the red ale's the way red to go ale. it's not 2006 <laughs> get off your ipas people this the beer fad moves fast you gotta keep yeah. <laughs> um, man with that being said let's get to this week's movie yeah i'm excited and now for our featured film all right this week's featured film is the, the 2017 american horror film Get Out. It was um, co-produced, written, and directed by Jordan Peele. It is his directorial debut. It stars uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Allison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Catherine Keener, and Little Ray Howery. Oh, yeah. It's very hard to talk about this movie without giving too much away. So yeah. we want to do this quick little piece before we get into the trailer. Yeah. Um, but the basic premise for those of you who, who haven't heard of Get Out is um, it's it's described by the uh, writer and director as a um, social thriller. Yeah. And, and it very much follows like thrillers, much like Hitchcock and other avenues. But for us, it is, for me, it felt like just a perfect horror movie with that right mix of comedy in, in it with the release. Oh, yeah. So I, in, in my opinion, this just chalks up to that great list of, of horror comedy movies. Definitely. Um, but the basic premise is that it's kind of a flip or a take off of kind of the Stepford Wives or looking, look who's coming to dinner in a lot of yeah. ways. But the basic premise is that um, Allison Williams' character, Rose Armitage, mm -hmm. is bringing her boyfriend, um, Chris, who's played by Daniel Kaluuya, mm -hmm. to dinner with her parents for the first time. Uh, Rose is white, Chris is black, and her parents have not met Chris, and they do not know that he's black. So yeah. they're coming up for the first time um, so that he can meet her parents. And it starts off with just that basic tension of meeting the in-laws, including that racial component of bringing yeah. your interracial partner to Which meet your parents for the first time. Chris even asks, like, hey, do your parents know I'm black? <laughs> and she says no. Yeah. And, yeah, and the tension's already set. Um, so, so he goes up to meet, uh, to meet her parents for the first time. What starts off as a lot of tension and microaggressions begins to seem more and more sinister as the movie plays out. And that's about where I want to leave it almost because it, it progresses so well. Yeah. And, and I know that that intro doesn't do the movie justice because it's so much more of a horror movie than I think a movie essentially about yeah. race or race relations. But that's the basic premise that give you that air of tension. And that's one of the things that makes me really think of back to it you know, those Hitchcock thriller movies uh -huh. where you get that great social tension and then everything else can be truly terrifying or dread inducing because you're already on the edge of your seat. Definitely. So definitely. It's not necessarily about, you know, in, in the same way that psycho is not about a bank robbery, so to speak. Yeah. Or stealing money. But that setup produces the tension that yeah. allows everything else to really bleed in all the way through. This movie was fantastic. Absolutely. Let's get, let's get to the trailer. Yeah. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? 
Should they? You might wanna, you know? Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meeting families and taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs>I'm excited to watch this movie again. Yeah. For those of you at home, though, uh, if you're interested, don't watch the trailer before watching the film. Just go see it. Yeah. And I don't think hearing the trailer wrecked anything. No, I think the, the audio for the trailer yeah. doesn't reveal too much. But if you're like me, I I'd heard a lot about the movie. I listened to an NPR uh, interview about uh-huh. it. And I was still a little res- reticent to... To see it, especially it had gotten 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It had a lot of accolades, so it built up a little bit for me that I was kind of nervous about seeing it. But mm. it is fantastic. Between Definitely. not only the you know the directing and writing out of Jordan Peele, fantastic. But he gets great acting out of the cast. Yeah. The audio for the movie is fantastic. It is just, it's a really good movie through and through. And I think even at... Early, this early on, we'll go ahead and put up that spoiler alert because it's so hard to talk very yeah, much yeah. about this movie with it without revealing more pieces to it. Definitely. I think you really want to experience for the first time watching it yourself. Absolutely. Man, and as, as a horror fan, it's just so exciting to, you can tell how much Jordan Peele is a fan of horror films. Mm-hmm. And it just, it comes through in the film. And it's just nice to see, like, a real love and, like, perfect timing, perfect plot. It's just, it's dynamite. The craft is all the, is all there. And even in the very beginning, um, the opening scene before we see the main characters where we have 
the Andre character walking through the suburbs by himself. When oh, the movie yeah. opens where it's a lone black man walking down a white suburban neighborhood. He's talking to his girlfriend on the phone, uh-huh. and he sounds very concerned. He sounds, feels like he's very out of place, but he says something to the effect of, you know, I feel like I'm in a giant hedge maze. Yeah. Which, one, those lawns and stuff are very manicured, but to me, I immediately thought The Shining. Ooh. Lost in the Hedge Maze, which, yeah. which I later read was one of Jordan Peele's um, favorite horror movies. Is the Shining, which to me felt like that was supposed to be very intentional after I heard that. Yeah. But it starts, I mean, even that beginning scene of you start off the movie, you don't know what to expect coming into watching this movie. So seeing this man just get grabbed in the middle of a suburb <laughs> and taken into a car out. is terrifying. And it yeah. lets you know this movie means business. Like yeah. those classic 80s horror movies. Before you get introduced to the main characters and their peaceful way of life, yep. you get that harsh moment right up front yep. to let you know what you're in for. And Initial let you know that spook. characters are not safe. Yeah. That there's a real danger present in this movie. Man. Yeah, this... Let's Let's dive into how we both seem to get sucked into this film more than most horror films. Like, at least yeah. for me, I don't know. I feel like in the past 10 years, I haven't really been, I've enjoyed horror films, but I haven't been sucked in where I'm like on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. And it's part partially from like conditioning through high school and stuff. <laughs> well, you know, where it's like, okay, I can't get that sucked in. I'm not going to be able to enjoy this film. But this is the first time that I like before, you know, 20 minutes in, I'm on the edge of my seat like, oh, my God, this is going to go horribly wrong. Yeah, they do a good job. And I think part of it is when they do scares, they're not quite jump scares. Mm-hmm. They are they're They can be kind of sudden. But I think a problem that happens if it's one of those things where the camera turns and there's a scary face and there's a loud sound, mm-hmm. it does scare you. But it, it brings you out of this movie a little bit. You get like, yeah. show, so shocked. Yeah. You're kind of brought out of it. Definitely. And then other points where it gets to the plot, it gets so corny or it gets so campy that you start to kind of, you'll, you'll play along with it, but it yeah. feels very silly. The All the social tension leading up to the movie keeps you very engaged. You want to know what's happening. You're engaged with all the characters. I mean, the acting's also fantastic that keeps you Definitely. Like, engaged in it. But you're you want to find out what's going on with these characters' lives that keeps you interested and not just like, I w- like when's the murder going to happen? Yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. It, it's, it's very enjoyable all the, way, all the way through it. And I think part of the pacing uh, makes it feel like there's no fat in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't really think of a, of a scene that made it to the final edition that I think you could cut without the movie being drastically different. Everything feels necessary yeah. and clean. It's, I'm just blown away. And I'm blown away that this was Jordan Peele's directorial debut. Yeah, that's insane. It feels very well polished. Absolutely. I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. And like we talked to, with you know people like James Gunn um, and John Carpenter, a lot of these guys start off with horror yeah. as, as, their, as their go-to, and then they move on to other movies once they can show they can do. They can yeah. be in the industry. And now you know James Gunn just came out with... Gardens of the Galaxy 2, which is doing real well. Yeah. Um, but I think for somebody that uh, wrote and pro- wrote and produced and directed their own movie, I think Jordan Peele broke a lot of records for how much money he turned around with. He oh, made good. this movie with a little under, I think, $5 million budget. Mm. And I think it grossed 175 already. So Oh, that's awesome. He's Yeah. Because, he's got to be psyched. Man, it's, uh, it's just amazing... Because you can tell 
like I think what makes this such a great horror film is you can tell that this guy could write a drama and you'd be sucked in. Yeah. And he's just choosing to like lay a horror patina on top of like a potential cool drama or, you know, a potential, I guess it is a thriller, but like, yeah. And that's what makes this movie feel so good is it feels like there's so many ways this movie could have fallen off the tightrope that it's walking and been really not, not as good as it is. Yeah. I feel like they could have, Messed up the horror a little bit. The comedy could have been a little out of place. Uh-huh. I feel like the social commentary could have gone, you know, one way or the other and not quite fit. Uh-huh. But somehow they all collide together into this movie and it feels so right all yeah. the way through that I was really impressed. Definitely. And even, yeah, like the the comic relief moments. Which don't... mostly come out of the friend character, Rod. Yeah. And it it's not the classic. It doesn't pull you out of the film. It. You know what I mean? I feel like normally yeah. comic relief is like a breath of fresh air, but also like, okay, it's the calm before the storm. This is just in there. You get a couple laughs. And it's just, but yeah, it's just little. It's right where it needs to be. Yeah. Kind of like we talked about with some other movies is that you, the genius of the horror and the comedy mixed together is it gives you that chance, like you said, to breathe and get back into the movie. It releases that little bit of attention of tension so that you can pay more attention. And in the same way that if you just scare people, they'll become numb. Yeah. Over and over and over. So you need to move people around on that emotional spectrum. And you need to release tension sometimes without that scare. And yeah. it's done so well in this movie. Man. What was your... Since we're assuming people who are listening right now have seen the film. At this point... Yeah. We'll, we'll go ahead and assume that. But we can, I think we can start talking about the, the movie in full now. For those who, if you're listening to it and you're, you've already heard us say, go see it, and you are thinking to yourself, I'm not going to do that, or I want to finish listening to this episode, we'll go ahead and kind of fill in yeah. the rest of the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we can talk about it. So while at the house meeting the parents, um, uh, the parents and Rose inform Chris that this just happens to be the weekend of their family's big get-together where they have all their friends show up for the weekend. Started by their grandfather, and they've just decided to keep it going. Yes. So it ends up being, you know, this big, you know, black tie affair, a bunch of, you know, Lincoln Town cars show up at the house. Yeah. Full of white people. They get out, and it becomes kind of a lawn party where those microaggressions, those comments really escalate. So it starts off with... Rose's parents saying things like, you know, the first time he sees Chris, the, the dad, um, who's played by Bradley Whitford, uh, he plays Dean, the dad, who we saw recently in uh, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, right? yep, he's, yep. he's one of the operators there in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Um, but he first thing he says is, my man. Yeah. Like it's... that little bit, you know, it starts off with those microaggressions. Yeah. And he says stuff like, oh, I, you know, I would have voted for Obama a third term if I could have. Yeah, man. Oh, God. And, and, and the thing I really liked with the setting is it's not, you know, her parents aren't in the South. They're not yeah. rednecks. They're not these, these different, you know, pieces of culture that we assume would have these prejudices. Yeah. They are middle, upper class, liberal white people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I think is, which is good because you don't want to focus too much on those stereotypes. But I think one of the things that that uh, Peel's trying to do here is show those racial divisions, even in yeah. liberal white Obama loving America. Which is also what was pulling me into 
the story so much mm-hmm. is you know i'm just like oh oh god oh what are they gonna say next oh yeah god. yeah and so during the big guard party it's like the whole laundry list yeah of all those intense microaggressions of there's one guy who's into golf who lets chris know how much of a fan of tiger woods yeah. he is, and oh, tiger's man. the best the writing's so and good it's yeah, just so yeah. cringeworthy but not too overt well and that's that's the tone that they get so well is one you know everybody's been an outsider at some point in their life Mm. and they and they do such a good job of letting everybody pull into that perspective that chris is in regardless if you've had to go through comments like this before everybody knows what it's like to be an outsider so you get a little bit of that feeling of you know we're identifying here with chris and he's just trying to meet people and people just identify with the only thing they see about him which is his you know his skin color and that's all people want to talk to him about even though he's you know a fantastic photographer from all accounts and you know he's got a lot going for him that's all people when they see it they just want to talk about his race. So you get that feeling of not only being the outsider, but what it feels like to try to just talk with people. And all people want to do is talk about yeah, what they, what they think is the more, your most salient feature, which is your race. Yeah. Um, so as the party progresses, it kind of gets more and more intense. Um, and then we start to get to see uh, the darker side of this family, which is that the mother is a um, psychiatrist in a, and a hypnotherapist. Yeah. And she ends up hypnotizing Chris to help well, him get rid of his... She did the night before, before the that, party. That's right. Well, while he's out trying to um, smoke a cigarette, uh-huh. he ends up not not being able to. He comes back inside, and she ends up hypnotizing him, which he doesn't fully remember being hypnotized because he wakes up yeah. like it's a dream. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the start of when it gets really into that horror movie aspect. Yeah. It's not just the social thriller thing. It's it, it progresses really sharply from there. Yeah. Um, and not only do they do hypnotism really well uh-huh. in the movie between the focus uh-huh. and what it's about, but I love that scene when he first gets sunken. Yeah. And it really changes from this is just, you know, kind of a regular plain yeah. shot movie to there's going to be really cool special effects Definitely. and pieces to it. And like potential... They didn't end up following it, but for me, I felt like there was a potential for some supernatural stuff when mm-hmm. her like voice drops an octave and like through the floor. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, Man, so crazy scary. And it for me, it takes a lot to make Catherine Keener, who plays the that's plays what the mom, I was say. terrifying. Yeah, and she she yeah. is ultra, even the first scene that you meet her, you get this sense of like, oh wow, like. Something's going on with the mom here. Yeah, that's really intimidating and scary. Man. And so as the as the movie progresses, we end up finding out that this family has found a way of pseudo immortality, yeah. which is to take somebody, take two people, the person you want to continue living, and the person that's more or less a sacrifice. Yeah, and the person who's a sacrifice, you remove ninety percent of their brain. You leave the brain stem, basically the hind brain, mm-hmm. and you remove the other person's forebrain and place that into that person's body, thereby prolonging their life because you move this old brain into this new person's body by fusing their brains together. Yeah. And that this family has been doing this for at least a little while now. Yeah. And that's what this party is really here about is all these white people are bidding on Chris. Yeah. Who to see who to. gets to have his body. Yeah. And that's those those moments that everything really flips. Those all those comments take on a deeper, darker yeah. meaning because they're not, you know, 
grabbing his arms and feeling how strong they are just because of those not necessarily normal, but those but those microaggressions yeah. that do happen. And it makes it seem so much more sinister because they're thinking about what it's like to be in that body. Yeah, where he's like, Let let's see you take a golf swing. Yeah. I can't play yeah. golf anymore. Which is already it's cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so yeah, it's so embarrassing. Oh, but that sinister part of like he wants to see how well he swings a club because he wants his body. Yeah. <laughs> his body. Um and well, then so they, from then then through the end of it, it's it's the Chris's escape is really the third chapter of the yeah. movie. It, the first, I feel like you break it into three acts almost, yeah. which is the first act is going up to the house, meeting the parents. Uh-huh. The second act is him finding out what's going on, uh-huh. and the third act is he's been captured. And he's he's been captured. And he's trying to escape. Man, yeah. the scene where he's trying to leave is amazing, and also like Allison Williams' acting is unbelievable. Like she I, was really good. I I she's. Most notably from Girls, yeah, right? And yeah. I have not seen much of that show, but a lot a lot of people have said they really liked her in that. Yeah. But she does a fantastic job in yeah. this movie. Man. Yeah. The whole looking for the keys scene and when when she's ready to finally flip her character and the sudden flip yeah. is, is amazing. And it's amazing what, what Jordan Peele is able to get out of out of the cast. Yeah. Because one thing I really like in the movie is he spends a lot of time showing people's reactions to scenes. So yeah. a lot you get a lot of shots of Chris's face as as he's either mentally like analyzing something or as he views what's going on in the world around him. Uh-huh. And that again lets allows you to be in his perspective and be terrified yeah. on his behalf. Yeah. Speaking of the dread, one of my one of my favorite scenes that caused that dread for me is when he goes out to try to smoke that cigarette in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. And he's out there and he hears the sounds of running. Yeah. And it's Walter, the kind of groundskeeper that he sees coming in. Yeah. Um, and when he gets to the family's property, he immediately notices there are two black servants yeah. on the property. One is Walter, who he sees chopping wood and doing yard work and stuff like that. Yeah. And the other one's George G- Georgina, who is serving them tea and kind of acting like a maid around the house. Yeah. But it's the middle of the night, and he sees Walter just come out of the woods and sprint towards him. Yeah, which is a great spook because it wasn't a jump out. It's like mm-hmm. it's an approaching thing where you're like, this is freaky as hell. It's what the that dread, yeah. yeah. You see him run, and, he, and Chris even does a double take where he looks away and he looks back, and Walter's running straight at him. Yeah. And so it's not just he's in front of his face, but it's that dread of like you're in your head, you're screaming, run! Yeah. <laughs> Get out of there. Um, and it's fantastic. And... Like so many scenes in this movie, the second time around, it gets so much better. Yeah. These little things have so much more meaning. And that yeah. scene to me, like, really hit me really hard the second time around because you end up finding that the grandfather is now inside Walter. Yeah. And the grandfather, his kind of start to all this is that he was up against Jesse Owens yeah. In the Berlin Olympics, loses to Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens ends up going to the Olympics. Yeah. But his grandfather always felt like like so bitter yeah. that he didn't go to the Olympics because of Jesse Owens. So it kind of starts this like, you know, that kind of genetic uh yeah, kind of racist idea of, well, Jesse Owens just won because he has better genetics. Yeah. You know, it's not that Dude. he's a better athlete, not that he's working harder. You know, it's not all these things. It's, oh, it's unfair because he has the genetics for it. So all I need is 
if I was black, I would have won. Yeah. Kind of idea. And so he ends up getting his brain put into this black man's body. And what does he spend his nights doing? Running, yeah, sprinting. He lost. Yeah, well, he lost to Jesse Owens oh, yeah. in a sprint. So now that he's in this black body, he just spends his nights sprinting to the woods, which is Dude, terrifying it, on so many so many levels. This this film uh, has so he, many layers. It's so crazy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't because also, I mean, at the end, I guess we're jumping around a bit. But when when Chris asks why why black people like why are you choosing black people to brain swap mm-hmm. it then it opens up all these different ideas of it's not like white supremacy because then you're you know they're in a generation they're all going to become black mm-hmm. and they don't they're not opposed to that and is it because they're like idealizing black stereotypes i think part of i think part of what the point of all this interaction is going on is showing how confused and how you know mixed up racial tensions still are i think jordan peele wrote this during obama's first four years oh really kind of of right after this point where everyone was like we have a black president now racism's over and this is very much like it's That's just crazy. it's still it's still a very complex issue. So sure it might not just be these people are terrible and everything they do is terrible. It's this weird, you know, set of ideas that is still propagated even by people who say, "Well, I'm not racist. I voted for Obama. How yeah, could I yeah. be racist? I voted for a black president." Oh, but it shows these weird aspects of of excusing, you know, this like we talked about with with Jesse Owens, this excusing the loss. You still see that a lot in and how people talk about sports mm-hmm. today where it's still, you know, it's, it's people saying, Oh, well it's cause they've got, you know, fast yeah. twitch muscle or all this other stuff. And not that people are working really hard to get, yeah. get really far in these areas and, and kind of the import, you know, importing other people's culture too, and kind of commodifying it either with music or with other forms of art too, mm-hmm. which is to say, to try to take it and make it your own. Yeah. And not just to, to share and experience that culture, but to, you know, try to steal it or to take it or make it totally your yeah. own. And that we're not in this post-racial America, that there's still a lot of intense interactions going on, which is what this whole, you know, left-leaning rich white family is has going on all the way through even. And I think one of the areas that shows you that is when Dean is Dean, the father Uh is giving Chris a tour of the house in the beginning of the movie. He's showing, Oh, we went to this place in Nepal. We went to this place in Africa. We went to this place in Asia. Yeah. And he has all these cultural artifacts up on the wall. Yeah. And he says, you know, it's such a privilege to be able to experience somebody else's culture. I know. But it's that, it's that sense of stealing that I feel like, you know, rich white people also do where you go and you visit, you know, different parts of the world and you take what you like out of that culture and then you bring it back home and you try to make it your own. Yeah. And it's that like stealing those little bits, which totally neuters the power that those, you know, that a lot of the stuff has in the culture. Yeah. You can't just steal these little bits and try to, you know, really make it, make it your own. Man, that's crazy that this was written during Obama's first term and then released Right after, because it came out in February, I think. Mm-hmm. 
So right after Trump's inauguration. I mean, that's and quite think, the world whirlwind tour. A lot had changed <laughs> yeah. in like 80, eight years or so. Um, but it also shows like how how slow sometimes this progress is and how yeah. quick people are to say we're we're past all this yeah. now. But I thought it made the movie really, you know, it made that tension very real and believable, which helps you get sucked into the movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you can see why I think for a little while uh, Jordan Peele thought about um he wrote it and he thought about letting somebody else direct it or selling it off to another movie studio hmm. and he ended up deciding that he needed to do this himself because he didn't think somebody else would be able to to do this story justice. Yeah. And I can see where he's coming from because yeah. this like I said it feels like somebody's, you know, balancing these interconnected tightropes and oh, yeah. they do it. They do it so well. Definitely. Um, and I love all these throwbacks to other horror movies. You know, yeah. One started off on kind of this invasion of the body snatchers feel where bodies yep. are getting stolen and people are getting taken over. Um, and but, then acting weird. You know? Yeah. And then, yeah, people having to deal with these shadows of, of people they once knew. But there's, you know, the Stepford, Stepford Wives definitely has this feel. Mm-hmm. Um, society... Um, even stuff like being John Malkovich, mm-hmm. this wanting to be somebody else instead of who you are, yeah, kind of experience. It it just touches on all those ideas really well, but feels very unique. Yeah, throughout the movie, like I still felt surprised when the reveal happens. Oh, all definitely, yeah. Um, and I think that you can start to try to chop up the movie. It's hard to disconnect any of these things, but you can start to try to chop up the movie from. The, the social tension that's built up and into the the raw horror components in the movie yeah. too because they do those horror aspects really well on their own right yeah and it's 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 cool like in that third act it just takes like a hard left turn mm-hmm. and yeah it's still like paying homage to the social aspects but then it's just kind of a pure horror like get me out of here yeah almost you're, you're totally in it with Chris where you just you're you know you're yeah. just rooting every chance that you can see for him to get out, and you're in that horror movie feel. Yeah, where, like you said, yeah, you just want him to get, to get out. Yeah. Oh, and so then, so he, yeah, they end up trying to brainwash him. He's about to go to a surgery to get his brain cut out. Ends up getting away, kicking everyone's ass, leaving, um, crashing the car as he's getting away because the the grandma slash housemaid is in the car, but then I love the twist at the end. At least this was <laughs> for me when the cop car pulls up mm. at the very end, there's like a white woman girl on mm. the ground. Yeah. yeah. This bloody black guy and strangling her. Yeah. And the... then it's, yeah, it's just like, Oh man, it these fe- cops aren't going to help. Like, no, you feel like this whole, like there's just, Dead white people everywhere, yeah. and he's gonna get, he's gonna get pinned for it. Which I don't know if did you see the alternate ending? No. The movie? So the alternate how'd ending you, I really how did you see the alt? Where where was it? Uh, I found it online. Okay, somewhere yeah, cool. But cool. I know it's re- it's um put into the Blu-ray release. Okay, so it's like as well. approved alternate. Yes, oh, and it was actually cool. the original ending. Really? This okay, is, what was so, it? What so was the movie it? that's in the theatrical release is actually, I guess you would call the alternate ending. Interesting. Where, you know, the cop car shows up and somebody gets out of it and it's his friend <laughs> it's from the from TSA. the TSA. <laughs> it's Rod coming to save him, which I 
love that ending yeah. too because definitely on a quick side note the rod character was such a fun character for the audience to yeah. identify with that it was it was great all the way through but the alternate ending or the original ending is that it is the police that show up oh Jeez. And then the, it's, you know, he raises his hands slowly yep. and he strangles her to death. Yeah. In the alternate ending, okay, he, he, strang- yeah. he strangles Rose to death. And then the as the cops are basically like pulling up, she's uh. dead. Um, the next scene you see is him in an orange jumpsuit uniform. He's in prison mm. and he gets goes up. He's got a visitor. He goes up to the glass. It's his friend Rod. And his friend Rod is like, for the millionth time, man, you've got to tell me what went on. You know, Rod's still trying to figure this all oh, out. Oh, man. And uh, Chris has, is kind of resigned to what happened. Yeah. And he basically says, I did what needed to be done. And that's kind of the end of the movie. He's, he has no regrets what happened because he needed to end what was happening. That's crazy. Um, but I think Jordan Peele said in the, in the kind of interim while they're filming the movie in between writing it in the end – there had been, there has been a lot of, um, well, you know, well publicized um, shootings of of you know, of black men by police, and he felt like that was enough in the social consciousness yeah. at the at the time. They didn't need to make that the, yeah, the ending, and it, and it could have kind of changed focus for him of what he wanted people to see out of the ending. So That's it felt like crazy. a little too much. With with everything that's going on in the media, he didn't want it to make it all about. Yeah, that wow, man! I never and, even thought that this. He, he potentially might have started writing this film pre Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. wow! That's crazy. And there was even another ending that he was thinking about, which I would have enjoyed seeing as well. Which was supposed to be Rod shows up to the house. Um, it's like you know he shows up to the gated community. Yeah, it's locked he can't get in or anything and he, he like sneaks into the complex and he sees chris and he like sees him in a window and it's something where he like you know throws a rock at the window uh-huh. it gets chris's attention and he says like hey chris we need to get you out of here man i'm so worried about you and chris says something like i don't know what you're talking about oh, like that's you know, nice. been taken in the classic uh body snatcher yeah yeah point and scream which would have been great too Oh man, but man, that that's like a testament to how good this film is. Is all three of those endings are essentially equally as awesome and mm-hmm. terrifying. Actually, except for the one that was picked, isn't really terrifying. He no, it's a, it's a kind of a nice ending for yeah. the audience. You get a win. Yeah, um, which is something I like about horror movies. Anyways, is that it's not so much like if you're doing a just a drama movie where if you change the ending, you would radically change the whole movie yeah yeah but with a horror movie i feel like you get some room to play around because the important stuff has more or less already happened the journey is yeah been taken and yeah i feel like this is kind of he he ended up picking the texas chainsaw massacre ending where it's like hop in the back of the pickup truck and just get, get out of there out. yeah oh that's a good point um so i know we've hopped around a little bit yeah but one i just want a quick segue to talk about the buddy Rod, the yeah, friend yeah, yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. So at the beginning of the movie, they have uh, Chris's friend Rod, who works for the TSA, watch his dog, watch his apartment while he's gone. Yeah. That's his basic premise into the movie. Yeah. And then partway through, Chris ends up calling uh, Rod to just tell him what's going on. You know, he's just yeah. calling his friend to tell him what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, that he's feeling uncomfortable and that he thinks that he recognizes um, 
this guy at the party, who's the only other black guy he sees at the party, yeah, who goes by Logan out. King or something yeah. like that, and he can't figure out where he knows him, but it's the, the when he meets with Logan, he goes to do the fist bump, and Logan just shakes the the closed fist, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so he calls, you know, just to let him know about that stuff, and you get put into the perspective of Rod several times, where it cuts back to Rod in the movie, and Rod's you know trying to figure things out. And I mean, you're with him as the audience, yeah. as the audience, you're, you're taking in this info with him. And as he's processing stuff out loud, it's where you are. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah, yeah. You find out a little about hypnotizing. You're like, okay, these people are hypnotizing everybody. They're drawing people in, they're yeah. murdering them. And the like sex slave thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was on board with that for a while in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, that's crazy. Yeah. Because there is like a little like snuggle aspect of like. We don't leave the house much anymore. Ooh, oh, know? yeah, with Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he ends up even going to the police. He gets enough info, <laughs> which is what you want almost every friend character in a yeah. horror movie to do, which is just do something about it. Go talk to the police. Of course, the police don't believe him, but at least he tried. Well, And I love that they do. So he, he tells a story. Then it cuts back to the police woman. And now there are some other police officers in the room. No Not, one's no one's a like white male cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for a second, I'm like, oh, man, maybe they're buying this story. They'll believe them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of uh, there are these white people capturing black people and turning them into sex slaves. <laughs> and they don't go for it. Yeah. No, they, they laugh him out of the, out of the building. Yeah. But, at least, you know, at least he tries. And yeah. then for him to show up at the end of the movie, which, again, as a friend character, you're like, the police don't believe you. You can't get a hold of your friend now. His phone's dead. Yeah. You're going to help your friend out. You're going to go drive and try to help them out, which yeah. is why I loved him showing up at the end. Definitely. It it felt really good. Um, but all the way through the movie, there's just so much good symbolism and metaphor in the movie that on the second viewing, you catch so much more of it Yeah, on your way through that I could watch this movie over and over and catch little things that I did Definitely. not the first time around. Um, but one of, my, one of the big things that I just love 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 about the movie i mentioned real briefly before is the hypnotism in the movie Mm -hmm. because one it it throws you off from what you expect the end result yeah because as soon as you hear hypnotism you think oh that's what this movie is about yeah yeah, yeah. and the hypnotism is just the sedative really yeah it's like stage one yeah um it's like prepping the mind for this transformation and then operation and then somewhere for that mind to be while which is While also kind of dark. It's not just like a straight lobotomy new new person. You're still trapped somewhere. Yeah, which makes it horrifying. You know, it's yeah. not just like you're essentially dead. It's yeah. you are locked in your own mind and you no longer will have control of it. Yeah. Some rich old white person's going to have control of your body now. Um, but, but you've got a little TV screen in the distance seeing oh, out their eyes. And the, the scenes of all that were just so cool. Mm-hmm. So well done. But the hypnotism in the movie I really like because one, I, it starts off in that good space where, you know, you kind of need to be drawn into it. And I love her having the teacup and that slow grinding of spoon against porcelain, uh-huh. such a unique sound and yeah. that being the focus to get him hypnotized. Yeah. But one, it being used for smoking, which has a lot of uses. There's a lot of efficacy for using hypnotism for Definitely. helping bad habits. And two, the focus on hypnotism, you know, hypnotism isn't something that works on weak minded people, which is kind of the, yeah. we might have talked about this in other episodes, but that's kind of the, the kind of 
thought about idea of, oh, if somebody has a really weak spirit or really weak mind, they allow themselves to be hypnotized. It's like a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it takes a really strong mind. It takes a mind that's willing to engage in these things to actually mm-hmm. to actually allow yourself to that, that state of increased suggestibility, that hypno- hypnotic state. Mm. But one, I like how it's shot and everything through, but Chris's unique experience going into it makes one allows him to escape, but it makes this movie so fun to watch too, mm-hmm. because he has this tragic backstory where his mom was killed by a hit and a run and he, ended up, he was watching TV. So he ended up not doing anything. He just kind of sat mm-hmm. while his, you know, he was waiting for his mom to show up. She never does. And he ends up finding out that she was hit, killed by a hit and run. And perhaps if he had called right away when she didn't show back up at home, he might've been able to save her. Mm-hmm. So not only does he have this impetus to act, to yep. not sit, to not be locked up. Yeah. But he has this traumatic event. So when he gets hypnotized, you see him start scratching yeah. the chair that he's in, which already, it, which shows you that he's taking this harsher than most other people who would have been in this position. Because mm-hmm. he's, he went through so much trauma that it lets, you know, he's, he has this physical yeah. piece going on even when he's hypnotized. But this leads back, you know, this leads into when he's in the basement. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up from hypnotism, and there's that TV that kind of re- that one does the exposition, yeah, <laughs> through a horrifying manner of seeing yeah. the grandfather talk to him and all this stuff. Um, but he's just sitting there, like you know, scratching at this chair and everything. But I love that moment where he wakes up, and you know that he that hyp- hypnotic signals me sent again through the TV, and mm-hmm. he's been scratching at the chair, and he's been pulled picking out cotton out of the yeah. chair, and one for the movie, but two for the social commentary that he takes all this pain, all this struggle, and you know, literally picks cotton, yeah, and makes an escape with it. Yeah, he ends up plugging his ears to block the hypnotic suggestion, but it's so powerful that he takes all this pain, all this suffering that he literally is clawing through the arm of the chair, and he makes an, his his advantage and allows him to yeah. escape. Which yeah, I think it's just like gorgeous yeah. through the movie and feels so like so vindicating in the movie as well. It's crazy, man. With that scene, mm-hmm. I mean, I assume this is they don't really show how he did it. You think he just? I guess he, he can bring his head down because he tried to gnaw at the strap, so he just brought his ear down <laughs> low and, enough to to jam uh, the cotton okay. in his ears. Because that think. was the only the only kind of blind spot I saw in the film is yeah, he has to take the cotton out of his ears to show how he avoided the hypnotic triggering. Mm-hmm. But then I'm kind of like, man, you should just leave it in your ears. <laughs> yeah. Because, or yeah. Cause was, you never know when they are, yeah, can get yeah. those signals going on. Cause that was the whole thing. Once he was up and about starting to like kick ass, I'm waiting for yeah. him to turn around and the mom be there with a the teacup and then just ding it. And he's what, down. And that's the, the great fight they have over the teacup where he ends yeah. up shattering it and stuff, which is pretty epic. Yeah. The whole yeah. escape scene ends up being, fantastic and and exciting all the way through and then even i didn't know which direction they were going when he started driving away Mm -hmm. and then he hits a woman with his car and you can't really tell who it is i was almost wondering like okay is this like a deeper level is this like a dream or deeper level of hypnosis where it's like we've set up a safeguard we know his weakness oh yeah so for like 30 seconds i was just like oh shit he's screwed yeah but no it ends up being his his weakness because he I literally just hit this black woman on the road, uh-huh. which he does not trust. 
Yeah. Because it's, you know, he knows now that it's the grandmother yeah. who has her brain put into this, this black woman's body. Yeah. But because his mom was killed by a hit and run, he can't leave her on the road. Yeah. He just, it's not in his character to be able to do that. Yeah. So he takes all the risks to put her in the car. And of course she ends up, you know, attacking yeah. him when she wakes up. Yeah. So it ends up being, you know, his weakness in the end. Which was anyway. a nice little, I mean, that definitely wasn't necessary. I mean, that, that added like two minutes to the film, mm-hmm. you know, but it's still, it's nice that there's just layer upon layer. And it lets you, again, depth. identify with Chris. He's not getting out, you know, while well, he does kill people on his way out, he's not just murdering everyone just to murder them. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get out of there. Yeah. Um, Man, and I love that they then, he doesn't go upstairs to kill Allison Williams' character, but they do such a good job flipping her whole persona mm-hmm. from this laid back, like really sweet girl, woman, into this kind of anal, like eating one fruit loop at a time and like taking a small sip of milk. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh man. I forget what she's listening to, but it's some. Um... I think it's, I hope you had the time of your life. life. Yeah. Which is like... also kind of cruel. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, but yeah, that uh, escape is fantastic all the way through mm-hmm. um between like the neuro like the surgery room in the basement yeah and then the escape to the upper levels felt just like so great that blending of that sci-fi yeah. body snatchers kind of horror kind of feel to it um and and i didn't realize my first time through watching it because the brother tries to put chris into that you know mma chokehold uh-huh. that the brother must be the guy in the very beginning of the movie that grabs Andre, who's it's a black mask, but he puts them in that same MMA hold. So that must be the brother. Yeah, because one character, I don't remember. Oh, it was the uh, when he's kind of faux Skyping with the old guy who will be taking over his body. Mm -hmm. He said, you're one of the lucky ones. You don't want to know how her brother collects people. Yeah. Like you at least got to like sleep with the hot chick instead of just like ambushed. Just getting grabbed and tricked and stuff like that. Um, man, it's a really tidy film. Like it's, it's clean airtight. all the way through. Yeah. yeah it's, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about it. It did not feel like there was a wasted scene yeah. at all. Everything clicks together just right throughout the movie and the acting in it, you know, one out of the main characters, um, you know, both, uh, Rose and Chris do a great job. Yeah. But I have to really tip my hat to, um, uh, both the woman that played uh, George Gina and uh, mm-hmm. the actor that played Walter. Yeah. Because these characters have to play, and the, and the guy who played Andre slash Logan King, yeah. they have to play these characters where there's so much internal struggle, and at the time when you see them in the scenes, you don't really understand what that struggle is, but you feel it so intensely yeah. to the point where Georgina's crying but smiling at the same time. Yeah. Because inside, there's that woman that just wants this guy to get out because she knows what's going to happen to him. Yeah. But the grandmother's just smothering that internal persona down. And when you think about she, the woman inside has probably witnessed you know 10 other... Oh, yeah, men. seen this happen yeah. before. Um, which the whole title of the movie... Uh, plays on this so well i had a friend we were just talking about this um she was saying that when she first heard the movie the title of the movie she thought it was that like racist like get out of here get off our land get out but that's not which which makes sense yeah for the premise of the movie but it's it's not that it's it's that warning that andre gives yeah uh chris partway through the movie which is 
you need to get out of here. Like, it's yeah. too late for me, but you can get out. Yeah. Like, it's a warning, not a command. Man. Which I thought is fantastic. And and all the ways that this movie f- does these little these little lens flips on old movies or old genres, I thought it was fantastic all the way through. You know, down, down to, you know, the more obvious Stepford Wives feel mm-hmm. and like look look who's coming to dinner yeah which you know had sydney portier which was a very big movie in in race race relations in terms of hollywood yeah we have this woman bring her i think they're they're engaged yeah movie. yeah her fiance played by sydney portier who's you know for her parents it should be everything that they want other than the fact that he's black, you know, yeah, he's well off, he's healthy, he's handsome, he's a doctor, yeah. But for them, there's this one piece they can't get past. But it's that flip of perspective mm-hmm. where, you know, Chris, he's meeting his in-laws, his you know, who you know who are white, and hopefully it's everything that he's looking for. You know, they're they're liberal, they're they're well off, they're yeah, all yeah. these things. But there's this like inner tension, which is so much darker yeah. in this movie. But it's all these little flips that makes this movie feel so genius all the way through. And I know we've been gushing for like an hour yeah, but on this movie, but it's, it's really, really good. good. Is there anything else that really stuck out to you? No. What about you? I'd say the only thing that, you know, we've talked a little about it a little bit is just they get that feeling of being the outsider so, so well. Yeah, in, the, in this movie, is that no matter where your background is, I feel like you can at least begin to to empathize or sympathize with Chris in his position. But that feeling of being an outsider, and for for those who you know feel more like that social outsider, the the again that hypnotism feels spot on. That being going into that sunken place because mm-hmm. that's the only way that you know these these this Walter and Georgina character end up having a place in this white America and this white culture mm. is by sublimating everything that makes them, them mm. literally having a white brain transplanted on them and then they're accepted. Yeah. So it feels like, you know, you can be part of this culture if you basically, you know, calm down, sit down, don't cause a wave. Yeah. Be like our culture. Yeah. And then that's okay. And then you're, quote unquote, just like family. You're not family, but you're just like family. Yeah. Which feels like the kind of hidden, you know, darkness in the in that whole hypnotism in the movie anyways, is that what what a lot of times tries to happen with this like homogenous culture is we already have set what we like and what we want. So as long as you conform to us and totally remove everything about you that makes you you, yeah. Then you're yeah. then we're A okay. Um and it's not so overt in the movie, but you get those senses throughout the the movie that that's where it's going. And it's just, it's just spot on. And then, yeah. And then it plays in perfectly with the unraveling of the plot because Mm -hmm. yeah, they're kind of dangling it where it's like, Oh, are they acting weird or is it just acting normal? Yeah. Is this just the normal amount of microaggressions you would think or, and then yeah, it gets, it gets so much sinister, but it allows you to feel those moments the first time watching it, because you don't know this other stuff's going on, yeah. to feel those moments almost like Chris would, which is just, you feel so uncomfortable and so, such an outsider because he can't even talk to anybody. And he's so glad when he eventually ta- talks to the blind man who ends up you know, buying his body. Yeah. But they, you know, they at least get like two minutes of talking about art. Yeah, it's yeah, the first yeah. time Chris seems relieved because he can just talk like he's himself. And that's the insidious thing about Rose's character too. The, the girlfriend is yeah. she seems you know to use the word woke yeah to to his to his position a lot 
Like when oh, he, yeah. after the big dinner, when he's, you know, I want to get out of here. It's not just like, oh, you just need to keep going or they mean yeah. well. Like she has this moment where you really think she gets his perspective yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, been lifted yeah. in front of her eyes and towards so she, her parents. And so yeah. she's not just trying to be like, just suck it up or, you know, yeah. whatever. She's like, you know, she seems to understand, which is yeah. so why it's so terrifying when she twist. does flip. Yeah. Ugh. This week's show brought to you by... This week's episode of Slapter Podcast brought to you by psychiatrist slept slash hypnotherapist slash potential mother-in-law. You should uh, trust her. Oh. This week's episode of Slapter Podcast brought to you by Jet Black Lincoln Town Cars. Jet Black <laughs> Lincoln Town Cars. To let people know you're an evil villain. Oh. Man, well, I guess uh, that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Slapter. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think we'll just be sitting in the studio for the next hour, just jabbering how much we like this movie. Seriously, man. So what are we? What are we gonna watch uh, next week? Uh, you know, I think lined up we have the 2012 movie John Dies at the End, starring Paul Giamatti. It's supposed to be weird, a little freaky, but it's got a nice cult following. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's got medium reviews that's about in our wheelhouse that's of- perfect <laughs> <laughs> man so uh like we say at the end of every episode of slaughter run rabbit run rabbit run 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 rabbit run rabbit run 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 bang 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 goes the farmer's gun Run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run.